This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. The Huskies Warming House podcast is also brought to you by the Soda Pod, home of MNCAA college hockey news and more. Stay wild and up to date with new episodes throughout every week. Find them on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast platforms. Welcome into the Huskies Warming House podcast, episode 172 here in the den. Nick Max and Noah Grant, ready as always to bring you the latest in college hockey coverage, specifically around St. Cloud and the NCHC. We start, of course, in the NCHC today. Another St. Cloud State Huskies opponent makes its appearance on this list at number six. Excited to talk about this team, uh, a team that we really have been high on in the past couple of years and really has a bright future ahead of them. Uh, transfer portal notwithstanding, still a lot of incoming freshmen that have a chance to really make some noise uh, in the NCHC. One player that was a freshman, though, Nick, that no longer was, supposed to be a sophomore and is now headed to the National Hockey League instead of where the original intention was supposed to be. Uh, we're going to talk about him a little bit in the beginning of the show as well, too. Some breaking news coming out this week. So we start, as always, with Centerize View News and Notes presented by HuskiesIllustrated.com and the SodaPod. Centerize View News and Notes. Centerize View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to CenterizeView.com. Welcome in to the main portion of the show. Nick Max and Noah Grant here in the Den, episode 172. And Nick, uh, middle of summer, it's State Fair Week here in North Dakota. So got a chance to have quite a bit of funnel cake and uh, various uh, other things that I probably shouldn't have had in excess, um, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, speaking of excess that the Minnesota Golden Gophers thought they were going to have, that uh, outlook gets slightly dimmer, unfortunately. Logan Cooley, uh, a bit of a surprise from him this week. He originally said that his intention was to play college hockey for his sophomore season at the University of Minnesota. And then suddenly he didn't, uh, you know, kind of molded over a little bit, uh, you know, was genuinely honest about the fact that he wanted to come back to Minnesota. Then over the summer, um, realized deep down he was ready for the challenge of playing at the highest level in the world, um, fulfilling his lifelong dream of being an NHL player. Head coach Bob Motzko, meanwhile, for the Gophers, said we were fortunate he was here for the year that he was. 
wish they could have got another one, but they wish them the best of luck. And of course, they're going to move on accordingly. Now, this is uh, a multifaceted thing, like it always is. One, what's going through the mind of Logan Cooley besides wanting to, you know, be a pro on a team that he seriously can play potentially in a top six role for. And then on the other side of this, Nick, what in the world do the Gophers do? Not that they're not stocked to the gills, so to speak, but Logan Cooley is a big piece that they expected to be the focal point on this team. And suddenly they're going to have to readjust. Uh, we'll start with the the first part, right? What's going through his head? Uh, I think a lot of things have been going through his head uh, since the national title game. Let's be honest. Uh, a lot of reporting that's out there, and I, I think to be fair to both sides, uh, what I want to do is look at it from Logan Cooley's perspective, and that is your top three pick um, in the NHL, right? Um, in uh, how many games that he played this year, he was more than a point and a half per game player. Uh, was a Hobie Baker hat trick finalist. So the accolades were there. The eye test was there, right? For those who watched him play, his speed, the skill, the hockey IQ was on display as St. Cloud State fans and their game in the yeah. NCAA regional final. I mean, the, the kid has got all the tools to be a pro player, right? But, and I think, Noah, when, when you go through a season, right? And especially a season at college, you are an NHL draft pick, especially one of his caliber. The question always comes after a season is you kind of sit back and you reassess, right? You kind of ask yourself, where am I at? And am I ready for the next challenge? Because at the end of the day, when you are a pick of his caliber, chances are more likely than not, you're going to see an NHL contract, right? So I really do think he wanted to do it earlier. I really feel that way. I do feel like there was a distraction with the um, Coyotes arena situation. I know that's been reported on, uh, but a wonderful piece came out this afternoon after the announcement was official from uh, the Pittsburgh Tribune and essentially how in the offseason he's been skating with some NHL talent and he said that he's been picking their brains, looking at the details of the game. Mind you, Arizona uh, just had their uh, development camp too. And I think for an athlete, Right. When you're ready to make the next jump, there's always that little bit in your back of your head that says, and maybe it's doubt. I don't know. Like, am I really ready for this? Right. We know as fans watching him, he's ready to go. I think post development camp and I think post what some of his skating has done in the offseason with getting to know these guys. I think it became more clear to him on the inside. He was ready to make the jump. Um, I know some folks have suggested that NIL money was part of this. I really don't think money had something to do with this. It could be part of the picture, but the reality is as a pro athlete, you want to make sure you're ready to make that jump. He's got people that he trusts and advises him on this. Right. And I think ultimately it just took him a while to clear that hurdle. I know Arizona, I know that they're going to use him as a big selling piece. He's probably the most exciting player they've had in a very long time. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think it just came down to those couple of experiences here in the offseason that really, you know, pushed him over the cliff and says, yep, let's let's take on the challenge. I'm ready to go. And I'm ready to leave the University of Minnesota. Yeah. You know, you talk about guys that you know, kind of have that internal buzz when you play with players of that caliber, because, you know, don't get me wrong. A lot of these college guys, even some junior guys, they play with NHL talent, depending especially where they grow up, where they've spent their summers, things like that. So when you start to kind of feel like 
that the jump isn't as monumental as you believe. And like, let's make no mistake about it. The jump from NCAA to the National Hockey League. And for a lot of players, it's the jump from NCAA to the AHL, which can sometimes be more of a a vicious jungle, so to speak, than the National Hockey League is the way the game is played. Uh, You have this thought in your mind that now I'm at the highest level. Can I really compete? Can I really make that jump? But for some players that have that natural speed and skill, the jump in certain facets isn't as big as they think. There's no doubt Logan Cooley has the skill. There's no doubt that he has the speed. Um, the question is, does he have the size? Does he have the physicality? And can he adapt his hockey IQ to the NHL style of play? Because as we know, it doesn't matter where you're drafted. Your window is so limited to make an impression. Now, on a team like Arizona, that window might be slightly larger. You know, it might be a full bay window as opposed to a little porthole, right? So to speak. But nonetheless, I mean, he's going to get a shot. There's no doubt about that. He has the skill. He has the talent. It really just kind of depends. What is he going to do with it? Right. And, uh, you know, the second part of your question earlier is what do the golfers do, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think, granted, we don't hear about this on the back end, right? But just knowing conversations I've had with coaches and and different athletic SIDs, I would have to think that this was on their radar, that this wasn't a surprise, um, especially when, again, we go back to him being a number three overall pick. I think there's always that, you know, sort of nugget in the back of your head. Now, granted, the timing of this is a bit curious, right? And I, I don't think... I mean, we talked about this yesterday in MNCAA. You know, was there any sort of pushing from the Coyotes or maybe his agent or, you know, was he being fed some maybe some misinformation? Is he really making the right decision? I truly believe this based on what I've been reading and everything else. I think this has been talked about for months, if anything. Like, yeah. I truly believe this has been an ongoing conversation. And at some point, something clicked and says, you know what? Yeah, let's go. Um, Gophers will have to adjust. They don't have... You know, they don't have a choice, but that's the beauty of college hockey, right? Is that every year is different. Uh, There's no question, as you alluded to, that the golfers have no shortage of talent up front uh, to replace him. He's, of course, a unique player. You certainly would love to have him on your roster as Motsko. And I'm sure every golfer fan is, uh, you know, kind of a little bit sad right now. But at the end of it, that golfer team is still got a lot of people coming back. They still got a really good young uh, group of talent that's coming in. So if anything, it changes maybe some responsibilities and some opportunities for those players. But at the end of the day, the golfers will have to adjust. And at the end of the day, I think they have plenty of firepower up front to be able to, I don't want to say make up, but at least try to match what they're losing in Logan Cooley by committee, not maybe necessarily with one person coming in. Yeah, and someone else is going to get a shot, right? You know, and I think that that's exciting. Uh, You know, the other piece of this too, as we approach August, of course, this happening at the tail end of July, uh, like you mentioned, it's not like a Jack LaFontaine situation, right? I mean, it's not in the middle of, you know, something that kind of catches you off guard. Uh, I think there's enough time for Minnesota to still make an adjustment. I mean, we're getting to that point where we're getting close uh, to, you know, guys coming in, uh, you know, because the decision also has to be, I mean, there's guys on the roster that were going to be a healthy scratch and someone's not going to be one now that's the first caveat to this but there also might be someone that is waiting in the wings that they decide they're going to bring in now and is suddenly going to get ready to go to college in the next couple of weeks too so um you know yeah and i and i argued yesterday noah that you know despite the fact that this wasn't like a lawn fontaine situation that there was a deadline coming up i believe august one you have to at least be enrolled in some classes so i do think they were coming up against the proverbial okay if you're if you're gonna do this right and this is why i actually think the timing of this represents an ongoing conversation an ongoing thought process here is 
once we get past a you know eight one, you're locked in. You know, that means right. what's goal the school route. But if if you if you're still having second thoughts or really feel like I want to turn pro, we got to get something done. So he um, had a he had a great development camp, by the way, too. Like, let's not sugarcoat yeah. that. It, it I mean, skating with players notwithstanding. I mean, he went into that camp and you know he did what we expected him to do, and maybe even a little bit more. I mean, he had a great camp, but he did not look sure. out of place. In fact. At times, he looked like he was, you know, the driving force in certain uh, changes of possession. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I, wishing him the best. I think the only thing that, um, you know, really stinks from our perspective is we don't get another year to watch him, you know, at the college level. I mean, seeing him. Technically, we do because they're playing in a college rink, but that's fine. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Well, speaking of speaking of a team that does have a great college rink that is relatively new yes. and uh, probably matches the attendance of the Arizona Coyotes at seating 3,400 at Ed Robeson Arena. Coming in at number six, Nick, the NCHC men's preview, the Colorado College Tigers. Uh, what do we have on a team that, like we said, we've been really high on in the past couple of years? We have been. And, and really, when we talk about the Tigers, right, I, I think, you Noah, know, where we have to start uh, when we go through something like this is, first of all, accomplishments, right? Colorado College hasn't really had, at least beyond last year, right, a ton of things that you could look to the wall or look to the mantle and say, yep, we have some sort of recollection or recognition that we did something good, right? Um, we talked uh, with Chris Mayon again at the NCHC Frozen Faceoff, and really felt like in the first half of their last season. And we'll get to some of those uh, key stats here, Noah, from you in just a minute. But I think I want to set the table to say they felt like they played better than their record really reflected. And right. when they finally started getting the bounces and started to take those one goal opportunities and came out ahead of those, right, started to string some good efforts back to back, right they started to feel confident and it showed they got all the way to the NCHC frozen face off championship game fell to, of course, our St. Cloud state Huskies. But uh, I will tell you that that press conference after that loss, there wasn't as tough as it was because you want to win the hockey game. Cause then at least you get one more. You're in the NCAA tournament. There wasn't a more prouder group of men, coaches and players that stood up in front of that podium that entire weekend, because at the end, of it, this is the stuff that they've talked about the last couple of years, and they really felt like, okay, we're back on the map now. Yeah, we feel like, okay, yeah. we've accomplished something here, right? So it's a it's a fun team to cover. Great people, great athletes, and again, that they're getting better, right? Uh, Noah, let's do this because we want to kind of dissect that season, right? So let's talk about the record and then some of the key stats here. Let's first start with their record and kind of go from there. Yeah, 13, 22, and 2 on the season. They were 6, 15, and 2 overall in the NCHC. By the way, uh, not the greatest overtime finish, but they were getting extra points, which is something that we really haven't seen in years past from CC. Even when they were losing hockey games, uh, they had six total that went to overtime. Only won one of those, but five of those, they're pulling some sort of points out of that. Two of those uh, coming in the shootout. So technically a tie as well, too, on top of that, as far as um, standings and other pairwise implications are concerned. I think what really stands out to me, yes, they were still a little bit lopsided when they scored first versus not. But when they did score first, they were controlling hockey games. And also four and five in one goal contest. They were almost 500. They were giving themselves a chance for a flip of a coin every tight hockey game. And I think for me, that really stands out. Losing record, both home and away. They were one and one in neutral sites, of course, with the frozen faceoff. 
But like I said, when they were carrying a lead or even when they were tied after the first period, they were giving themselves a chance. Now, games started to get away from them in the second half or if they were down early. But with that being said, a lot to like about this team. Over 20% on the power play, 82% on the penalty kill, both numbers that when you think of a team that finished with 25 points, uh, what would that be? Eight points shy of the next place in six in the NCHC. You don't think of numbers like that. You don't think of what we're talking about. And like you said, only outscored by 20 on the season, which is a market improvement from previous years yes. and only outshot by, I think it was a uh, 114 over the course of the season. So th- they weren't exactly out of hockey games. Now, are they missing that top line? Are they missing that go-to guy even last season where they could just say, yep, give him the puck and you know, they're off and running and they're going to be just fine. Yeah. But I mean, you look at this schedule here, a um, couple of tough, uh, moments I would say started January, early February when they came back around the second half, they kind of did what St. Cloud did a little bit where they struggled mightily coming out of the gate out of the holiday break. Uh, but nonetheless, they're starting to make those strides. And I think as we're going to allude to as well, Nick, not only is this team making strides, their key contributors are getting younger and younger. You're starting to have these recruits come in that not to say the Tigers of old, like, uh, for example, going to miss Brian Yoon, obviously the former captain who, of course, finished his graduate season. Yep. Last year, Um, they're going to miss a guy like that. But some of those guys that are on their way out, not that they were bad hockey players, but they're being supplemented by these players coming in that one have gotten an extra year of seasoning. Uh, playing at their respective junior level, but they're also some really good hockey players, Nick. So, I mean, key wins, of course, last season, they did beat the Huskies one and three. Um, so they did have a victory against St. Cloud, uh, swept Anchorage, beat Air Force, had a, a couple of really good wins against Duluth, by the way. They really gave the Bulldogs fits. In fact, the two victories they had against the Dogs, by the way, Nick outscoring them eight to nothing in those contests. Oh. So, I mean, uh, uh, victories against Miami sweeping Omaha, which is no slouch to, considering where the Mavs ultimately ended up. That was right before the holiday break outscoring them by the way, Nick, uh, seven to four on that weekend. So, uh, good for them victories against Princeton, the Huskies, like we mentioned also a shootout victory against Omaha later in February, and then a good string, a good run, uh, <laughs> During crunch time, NCHC beating Western Michigan uh, and then against Denver, which ironically enough, Nick, um, when you go back historically, only the second frozen faceoff appearance for this team, that that was in 2018-19 was the last one. They beat who else but Western Michigan in the quarterfinal round to get there. They ultimately lost to St. Cloud, and then they lost to Denver. This time they get past Denver in that first round um, and don't even have to worry about a third-place game. And then the Huskies, of course, too much for them. And heaven forbid uh, we comment about the Tigers maybe winning a game on Twitter. But nonetheless, all things considered, a, a great surprise playing hockey at the right time, giving themselves a chance in the frozen faceoff. Nick, what did you see from this Tigers team that – you know, in all facets, didn't exactly have an otherworldly season, but they built on the stepping stone that they've really taken a long time to finally climb over that first step. I'll be brief. Um, I know you mentioned that they didn't have a top line. I actually disagree with you. I think they did have a top line. Uh, Watching them in person in the NCHC frozen faceoff, Noah Laba with Hunter McCowan, who, um, shall we say, you mentioned power play statistics. What a shot he has. Holy buckets right and then ryan back on the left hand side every time that this line was on the ice 
they were in the offensive zone. They were cycling pucks. Uh, they had puck possession. They were funneling towards those dangerous areas. They were creating. Um, beyond that, that was the issue. To me, um, CC lacks depth. That's really what they lack. They lack, a, they lack a true top six. Now, granted, that top three isn't going to... Uh, what's the phrase? They're not going to blow off the page with their numbers. Uh, they were a unique kind of, you know, shall we say, set of players, but they really fed off each other well. And uh, like I said, Hunter McGowan had this really unique, uh, shall we say, skill set of both a little bit of brawn and uh, just an absolute sniper uh, capability with his shot, lethally accurate and also incredibly hard for those who watched him. Yeah. Yikes. I would not want to be yeah. blocking a shot in front of Hunter current. McCowan. It would exploded off of his stick. Yeah. Current um, uh, Columbus Blue Jacket, in case anyone was curious, by the way. Yeah. Um, and also great goaltending, right? Caden and Barico, uh really kind of solidifies this team and and more so he's part of the pivoting of what CC is doing in terms of what their identity is on the ice, right? Uh, this team used to be a sit back trap team, uh, just sort of be opportunistic. They really wouldn't push the pace. They would just kind of wait for your opponent to make a, a mistake and then try to capitalize with Chris Mayot again, former Michigan assistant coach, part of the Eunice national development program. Um, they're running more of a NHL style, right? They're carrying the puck in. They're going on the rush. They're counter punching. They're not sitting back. They're saying, no, 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 this is RS2. We're coming right back at you. We're going to counterpunch. Um, so it, they're still obviously in transition of the roster and everything else. But um, it, it just uh, to me, it's been a really fun uh, transition to watch, really, from what they were. And we always knew that CC kind of, shall we say, you know, before under a, a different regime, to, to say lightly, just they were, they, were, they were leaving some skill on the table with Chris Mayotte and just who he is as a person, as a coach, he's unlocking everything uh, that's capable. So I think it's awesome. Um, speaking of which, Noah, let's talk about Chris Miot because he just got a nice extension this offseason. Yeah. Uh, but what are they getting in a head coach who, if you ever have a chance to talk to this guy, absolutely beautiful human being and a great coach um, for the Tigers. Yeah, I was also chuckling at the fact that uh, your version of I'll be brief was taken out of my playbook for that one. Um, I'm learning but, from you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a that that's a bad act to follow. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, class act and Chris Mayout, like you mentioned, yeah. um, you know, international pedigree um, in recent years as well. He's entering his third season, 22, 46 and six. He's 12, 32 and four career wise in his couple of seasons at CC so far Two seventh place finishes for him looking to finish much higher. Um, Hopefully in the position we have or higher in six, we picked them to finish six last season. And like you said, just a couple of those games, they couldn't close in some of those tight contests as well. Um, you know, and I think one of the things that makes Chris Mayotte so exceptional at what he does is he understands one, his role. He understands that he's in a position uh, similar to a development role where he's trying to bring in these players, trying to recruit these players that are coming to CC. And we've talked about this before. They're little trimestery type schedule. They're weird kind of way that they have to recruit. They're not exactly the, the, the pinnacle destination, so to speak, in the NCHC. Let's just say it how it is, you know, they're not the team of the early 2000s where the old WCHA Tigers in the mid to early 2000s were a force to be reckoned with and had yeah. and had some of the sexiest silk jerseys I've ever seen. Um, nonetheless, I think the other thing that makes Chris Mayotte so exceptional is he understands that even though he brings that pedigree on the international stage, even though he is well-versed in development, he surrounds himself with a coaching staff that supports and 
continues to pull out those other aspects of the game. How about this, Nick? Peter Menino, of course, promoted, by the way, recently to associate head coach in his third season. He's a former DU pioneer. You know, like you're pulling from the enemy, so to speak, in the gold pan game, right? Uh, 2005 national champion, played in the show, of course, for the Isles, Atlanta, which is a throwback to say the least. Um, yep. Although we'll see how the coming years <laughs> dictate that. Uh, Winnipeg over the course of seven seasons playing pro. Uh, John Liggett, uh, assistant coach, his second year, uh, former Colgate standout from 2011 to 20. 2015 worked with Peter Menino in Des Moines in the usual a couple of years ago. Um, and then Andrew Ogilvy, of course, if that name sounds familiar to you, big overtime winner back in 2017 against UMass Lowell sent Notre Dame to the frozen four had 89 points in 107 games played in the show a little bit for Buffalo as well too, and tallied a couple of goals. Uh, the newest assistant coach named earlier this month, uh, July 3rd, by the way. So it's not often, first of all, in college hockey that you see a staff where you've got four people that are in some ways on the bench or close to it. I think one of the things I've loved about Chris Mayotte is he's comfortable not being the guy, which almost makes him be the guy, if that makes sense. Like he's comfortable relying on his other assets and taking the focus away from him. But in reality, behind the scenes, he is doing a lot of those things behind the scenes that we don't see. He is the focal point because he's the head coach, but he just has a really nice balance of working well with his staff, getting the most out of his players. Um, and I think his communication and his willingness to be honest about the direction he's headed, about the system he's trying to run and about the buy-in he's looking for He's just a player's coach. He's someone you want to play for. He's someone you trust as a coaching staff. Nick, you've talked to him multiple times personally. Yeah. There's a lot more to this man than even what I've just said, too. I mean, it's it's extremely impressive. So one of the things that he mentioned about turning around the CC program, right, is when you look at other, and he mentioned this, right, is that when he looked around other NCHC benches, when the games were close or, you know, maybe there was a, a moment where you took a major and you're, you're kind of in a, a tough spot. Right. He goes, I looked around and the coaches aren't saying anything. He's like, it was the players that were dictating and they were the ones that were in control. He's like, I wanted my bench to reflect that. And I think, you know, he had a great leader to lean on and Brian Unigan spent a couple seasons with Chris Mayotte, fifth year player, also a great human being as well. Going on to think to be in medical school, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, so at the end of it, you know, he wanted the players to be the voices on the bench. Brent Larson operates the same way. I know that most NCHC coaches uh, would argue that that's what they want as far as their program to represent. Uh, but I think the biggest thing about Chris Mayotte is away from the ice He's sort of like the father figure, right? He 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 yeah. does he he takes pride on being that person to confide in. He's like my door is always open, kind of thing. You you just get this vibe. He's just an approachable human being that you can almost you know grab a beer or whatnot and you know just sit down and chat life. He just he's that guy that actually cares about the person first, hockey player one B, right? And he just he knows how to balance that line, right? Which is. I'm going to be your best support person. Um, and in fact, again, we, we go back to the NCHC frozen faceoff after Hunter McCowan um, essentially wasn't drafted. He was the one that was calling NHL teams saying, you should give this guy a chance. This guy has NHL stuff. Sure enough, after their season ends prematurely um, against St. Cloud, 
Columbus picks up the phone and Hunter McCowan uh, not only signs, but then plays his first NHL game, gets his first NHL point yeah. uh, in a couple of days after that. So, I mean, he's an advocate for their players. And I think, you know, you put all of those fads together, it creates a winning environment. It creates a supportive environment. And it's, it's, it's an opportunity that if I'm a, a prospective player and I'm looking at what CC is doing, yes, private school, yes, without a scholarship, there's some money, things there, but he's a guy you want to play for just because of the way he carries himself on and off the ice. Yeah, certainly would agree. And I think uh, what's going to be really fun too, is we get into uh, the big roster changes between their departures and freshmen and a lot of players that were key contributors that are staying on top of that. Like we said, getting younger, I'm excited to delve into this because we kind of had a, a, a pseudo hilarious conversation, so to speak, with Max Veach about the fact that the Bulldogs, we picked them at seven. And, you know, of course, he did not agree with the take um, and didn't think they were they did not think that they were going to finish below six. I'm excited to kind of flesh out five through seven here in the NCHC and really talk about why we feel like the Tigers, you know, are going to be in a better spot that we feel than the Bulldogs. And, you know, the reality is, like I said, first of all, all these teams probably going to be separated by a couple points or less this year. I just feel like the yeah. NCHC is going to be closer than it's ever been. Um, and then we'll add Arizona state to just make it even more interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, and I wonder how, I still wonder how that's going to work. Is the ninth team just out? Who's to say, but they, yeah, like I said, they haven't said uh, as of yet. And I believe if I recall the press release is that they are, giving themselves at least until the uh, the winter meetings to try to figure out the playoff format still. Yeah. Um, I would not be shocked if it's either ninth is out or maybe first uh, number one overall maybe gets a bye or something like that. Yeah, I'll tell uh, you which one of those two I favor. I just I am I am a big fan of kicking the ninth team out and letting the top eight play because I, I feel like if you're a top team and you get a bye, sometimes I feel like that rest is just almost not agreeable. At it's that time usually of counterproductive, right? Yeah. Yes, hundred uh, percent. Um, speaking of which, uh, Noah, let's talk about production, right? So, yeah. team stats, player stats, uh, things that jumped out to us, and, and kind of paint the picture of why uh, Colorado College uh, finished the way that they did. Yeah, and who essentially they have a chance to to be better than they were last season. I know we kind of delved into the team stats, but focusing on player stats, by the way, you mentioned, you mentioned Hunter McCowan and of course his journey to Columbus, uh, but Noah Laba only going to be a sophomore next season. Stanley Cooley, a junior Nicholas Andrews on the backhand had 14 points, a top five point producer for them. He'll be a senior next season. Ryan Beck, Logan, Will, Tyler Coffey, freshman, junior, junior last season, um, and another freshman. And then, of course, Matthew Gleason, who's now gone rounding out, you know, the top eight or nine. You just look at guys that produced. It It, it was this wave of babies, so to speak. It was yeah. these freshmen, these sophomores, a couple of juniors that will be back for their senior season, really bring that veteran pedigree on top of that as well, too. I'm just excited about their production. When, when we compared them again to Duluth, um, and that's going to be the comparable. I mean, we picked Duluth at seven. It's a bit of a reach, according to a fair amount of people. I, I feel like as we go through this, not that we have to justify it, but I think the comparison is there. And when I look at CC compared to a team like Duluth, I see a more inexperienced team for the Tigers. However, I see a inexperience that brings a lot of natural skill and a lot of raw talent that will continue to evolve as players get older and they mature. I just think the talent pool you have to pull from at CC right now is a little more wide reaching, quite a bit younger, but a little more wide reaching. And like, they're on their way, man. They're, 
Yes. They're starting to produce. Is, is there a player on this list, Nick, for like uh, as far as like individual statistics that you feel really stands out? I mean, obviously we talk about the top end guys, but is there someone here that, you know, had a great season or, you know, let's not forget the goaltenders, especially in Caden and Berko, who had a great year, who is going to be the guy next season. There's no doubt about that um, with his international pedigree as well, too. Um you know, what kind of stands out to you about last year's roster and guys really uh, continuing to flow into this season? Really, it comes down to balance, right? I mean, yeah, Hunter McCown and I know Noah Laba uh, definitely kind of lead in the point category. But when you get beyond that, there's, what, six to seven guys that at least yeah. had double-digit points. So to me, um, they have the potential for depth scoring there, just they haven't quite got to that consistent production level yet. The other thing, and I want to focus in on Noah Lab a bit, because as a freshman center on the top line with Hunter McCowan, right? Uh, no pressure, think, right? I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but one thing that impressed me is just how much poise he played with, how good he was in the faceoff dot, and just how smart he was in different areas of the game, right? The one thing you talk about in our discussion with Logan Cooley, right, is, you know, we can talk about skill, we can talk about speed, some of those things that everybody can see, right? One of the things that we don't often talk about enough, especially with freshman players, is their hockey IQ, right? And do they play like they're freshmen, right? And I do think that at the end of the day, um, Laba played it much more mature than he was for a freshman. Yeah, I would certainly agree. And a lot of these guys have had to do that because of that role. And I think as we've seen, I think we're going to kind of jump into the departures too. Uh, with the transfer portal, anytime you bring in a coach that, you know, is new in his first couple of seasons, you start to see, you know, guys lean away from that system, maybe try to go other places. And then you start to see freshmen come in that they're essentially the first trial period, the first trial run, the first group that really gets to go through a couple of seasons under this head coach and really see the product develop. Like I said, I feel like sky's the limit for this Tigers team, even with the departures, Nick. I, I think as we jump into them, uh, five forwards, a defenseman and a goaltender, of course, Hunter McCowan, like we mentioned, the big one, headed to Columbus. Brian Yoon, of course, graduate defenseman. He's aged out, essentially. Um, as far as I can tell, senior forwards Patrick Kazi and defenseman Chad Sasky are not returning um, in addition to that. But so the other forwards, defenseman and goaltender, uh, the big goal scorer, the overtime hero in the quarterfinal against Western Michigan junior forward last season, Matthew Gleason had 10 points. He and now graduate forward Noah Prokop, who had six points last season, they're both headed to St. Thomas. So wishing them the best of luck. That's a great destination if you're going to kind of make the jump out of the NCHC. I'd like to see that program continue to build similar kind of a vein, so to speak, young team, new team, trying to find some traction. I think they will be a great fit there. Uh, sophomore forward will be a junior next season. Brett Chorsky headed to Colgate. He had three points last season. Uh, junior defenseman now Nate Schweitzer had a single point. He's headed to Lake Superior State. Uh, senior netminder Matt Vernon now playing uh, professional hockey was in the ECHL last we checked. Um, the only one that um, does not have a destination uh, will be a sophomore next season. Kane Ar Cade Arnholz uh, did not have a point last season. I, I'm not really sure how that's going to pan out for him. But again, we talk about the transfer portal being a little bit risky at times. Um, this might be pot a potential casualty, so to speak. Uh, like you said, we mentioned Hunter McCowan. We talked about his prowess. Um, I, I think if there's a player that this team is going to miss more than people realize, and feel free to throw your input here, Nick, I think Matt Vernon is somebody that this team is going to miss a little bit. I know Caden Emberico was the guy. I know Matt Vernon didn't play it a whole lot. 
But I think for him as a veteran net miner in that locker room, let's not forget the game that he pitched a couple of years ago against St. Cloud in that COVID NCHC frozen faceoff setup in North Dakota, by the way. That was one heck of a hockey game that he showed us. Of course, father played for the Calgary Flames. He's going to get a chance at the pro level. Now, he wasn't in a lot of hockey games, but when he was, he played well. He had decent numbers. And I feel like for him, seeing being a part of that transition and kind of like you mentioned, almost like that father figure, so to speak, in that locker room, being a mentor to a young guy like Caden Umberico, who had some real mountains and valleys last season, just being a young freshman goaltender in the NCHC. I think there's a guy that not so much on the stat sheet, but maybe a little bit more in the locker room. They might miss a little bit. Uh, anybody else here on this list that stands out to you? 100%. And that's Brian Yoon. Uh, yeah. You can't forget him. Uh, again, a multi-year captain was the heart and soul of this squad. Uh, had his emotions just on his sleeve again after that loss to St. Cloud. And you can really tell that Chris Mayot really leaned on him uh, to keep pushing right now. I, I know, uh, just going back to the team for a second, you know, when the first half you know, was rough for them. I mean, we we were high on them. They had high expectations. They just weren't getting the results. It was frustrating, right? And, you know, St. Claude had their six weeks of, you know, pain per se before they figured it out. Uh, Colorado College had that in the first half of the year, and they were really questioning, oh, my gosh, you know, are we still going to be toward the bottom here? And then they just kept pushing. And Brian, again, was the big voice that says, let's just keep going. We'll eventually get the bounces. And they started to get them, right? So to me, he's a big voice lost in the locker room. And I'm going to be very curious as to who is going to have the uh, very you know tall task to replace him and his leadership yeah. in the locker room. Because truly, for me, just uh, on my conversation with Brian Yoon, uh, when things got when things got tough, he was able to keep things as about as even keeled as you can ask yeah. times. So uh, to me, that's the big one. Really curious to see what their captain group looks like too. The reason I say that the only graduate player on the list right now is Connor Mayer, and he actually entered the transfer portal and then came back to CC um, and kind of rescinded that and, and went through that process too. So curious work maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taxes and transfer portal, you know, they both start with T. Um, <laughs> I, I I do wonder though, you know, of course you're going to have some seniors or maybe even a junior, or maybe it's a, a young player that's going to get an assistant captain role in some, some senses, but I'm very curious to see kind of how that dynamic fleshes itself out. Cause we do not have captains announced as of yet, Nick, but um, yeah, let's just say this, Nick though, it's going to be a young team next season. Yeah. Um, We've got some interesting additions coming in. Connor may or notwithstanding, because he is a technical addition, but I didn't count him on the list for obvious reasons. Uh, you mind if I start kind of rolling through the additions? Yeah, that's you, you beat me to it. And uh, let's just say this. Um, the pedigree that this class that ha they have coming in <laughs> yeah. is, whoa. Uh, and, and this is what... You know, this is what fuels, again, their competitive edge and why we have them at six as opposed to seven is their class that's coming in um, collectively is looking pretty damn good as long as they, you know, assimilate, you know, averagely, even at best. Uh, but they've got a lot yeah. of talent coming in. Yeah, absolutely. Nine freshmen and one transfer coming in. The transfer is a net miner, by the way. So three defensemen, six forwards, rounding out a crew. As far as I can tell, the team next season, nine freshmen, seven sophomores, one junior, which is wild. Uh, yeah. 
eight seniors and a graduate player for a crew of 26, if my math serves me right, which half the time it doesn't. But nonetheless, yeah, like you mentioned, six of the nine freshmen, uh, captain or assistant captain on their previous respective teams, 134 goals in the usual alone from this class. Um, uh, only school that has three that finish in the top 15 for scoring among defensemen. And I think that's where we kind of alluded to is you miss a guy like Brian, you, and they have to supplement that defensive posture for one, but they also needed another guy like that. Someone who is a puck moving defenseman, someone who thinks a little more offensively, a top pairing or two that you are like, okay, like they might be a slight defensive liability, but they're not afraid to run with risk a little bit. And I think this Tigers team needs a little bit of that, Nick. Um, I'm going to actually throw it back to you because we have the list, a great article. I I will say this as well too, throwing it for the Tigers. Um, Whoever their PR and media person and website person is, they're always up to date. They're always early on their stuff. They do a fantastic job. I just want to throw that out there. Great article about their freshmen that we're actually pulling our information from. Uh, Tell us about some of these players, Nick. A couple of guys that really stand out to you. Uh, one of the big one for me uh, that I'm looking at is Brett Lank out of Anchorage, uh, six foot three, one eighty eight from Fargo. Again, we talked about uh, the former St. Cloud assistant coach now going to Wisconsin. Uh, Nick Oliver leading the charge here uh, had 55 points in 61 games, 26, 29 uh, for, for that point total respectively uh, was an assistant captain with the Fargo force uh, just unbelievable, right? Uh, that's the size. I think they also, that I think that they are trying to get uh, a little bit more competitive. I know under the Mike Havlin area, and I know that Noah, you would attest to this. It's not that they were small, but I think they they could have used a little bit more size in certain positions, uh, especially uh, up on the forward end. Uh, but not just big and you know just to be big, but also had skill to go along with it. Um, this guy represents all of that. And again, at his size, six foot three, the reach, um, again, great shot, but also great vision on the ice. Uh, this is a big one for me that I think, and you talk about replacing like a Hunter McCowan, right? Their leading scorer now playing in the NHL. Uh, this is a guy you look for, not as necessarily as a freshman, but maybe steps into a sophomore year to you know, to be a big producer. And you just kind of hope that he assimilates quick because if he does, all the tools are there. And man, he had a great last year's juniors again with the Fargo force. Yeah, he certainly did. And I think on the forward side, we're kind of alluding to them a little bit too. Evan Werner uh, coming from Tri-City in the usual and then Cedar Rapids, Zachariah Wisdom, uh, both guys six foot and five eight. So, I mean, yeah. not the biggest players, but I think what impresses me is the description with those two, especially with Link, you have these guys that um, you read Chris Mayotte's comments, which another really cool thing about the website that they do is they, yes. they kind of pick his brain a little bit as to what he's thinking, like really gives you a great picture as to what the Tigers are getting. And really the theme here um, and something we alluded to last year is guys who both have one really good skill, two really great scoring touch and three scoring touch from all areas of the ice. It's not just skill-based perimeter, third forward high, waiting in the wings for a good release kind of thing. It's guys that, let me put it to you this way, and I'm hoping that this progresses so that these players are one and the same, but for a St. Cloud State comparable, your difference between a Vieti Miatnin versus a Yami Kronola, someone who over time, Yami Kronola did, became not only just that skill-based player, but wasn't afraid to go to the dirty areas, wasn't afraid to pick up rebounds in front of the blue paint, not afraid to get his hands dirty. All of these players, even though not all of them come in with size, I think really, you know, demonstrate that. Then you have, you know, Klaus Weinsberg um, and Riley Stewart, two guys who um, 
big bodies, physical players, couple of power forwards. One of them, of course, can play center as well, too. So they're trying to fill depth down the middle. I mean, this yep. is a team that you look at this freshman class. There is a group that is like top six, middle six in terms of speed, skill, size, tenacity. And then you have a couple of players that are going to be utilitarian that are going to slot in, bring some size, bring some physicality, get some opportunities as well, too, on the forward side. And then you have, you know, a couple of defensemen, too, Nick, by the way, Antonio Fernandez, Tyler Dunbar, uh, Max Burkholder, guys that um, really, besides Dunbar, who's six foot one, a couple of defensemen who are essentially water bugs, five foot eight and five foot nine, respectively, I, I think that that kind of shows you the idea too, that they're going to be skill-based and heavy up front and they're going to be nimble as heck on the back end. I think another St. Cloud comparable, Jack Ashan a couple of years yep. ago, someone that's able to kind of move in and out of plays. Deceptive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Able to kind of shake off that first hit in the defensive zone, be a good first pass player, Nick. Um, and, and you know, it's, uh, you know, Antonio Fernandez, by the way, to 40 points in 58 games for Lincoln last season. I, you know, when you can add that scoring, even though, you know, and, and then Max Burkholder, 51 and 62 for Dubuque last season. I mean, guys who they're able to produce at a level where the physicality and defensive structure is there in the USHL and they're playing against some big bodies. Curious to see how that assimilates when you're playing against 21, 22, 23-year-olds. Uh, but, Nick, this freshman class overall, before we get to the transfer, any other player you like? And overall, kind of be excited if you're a Tigers fan. Um, you know, it, it's hard to pick one out, but, you know, I'm curious to see Antonio Fernandez. Uh, more because, again, you talk about the size, 5A, 1A. So he's not, like, small per se. He's just not tall. Right. Uh, but more so, how does the Colorado College Tigers um, improve their puck moving ability and their breakout ability? I think really what it comes down to for me, uh, Noah, that is uh, we saw this against St. Cloud in the championship game. What ended up happening was they got caught a few times. And I feel like just some of the defensive core that they have uh, really just didn't know how to survey the ice and sometimes just use their feet to get out of the zone, right? So at the end of the day, I'm also fight, fighting some mic issues, as you can probably hear. Wow. Uh, yeah, holy cow. This is what happens when you speak over 30 seconds. You just get shocked <laughs> or something like that. Um, <laughs> let's do this, Noah. I'm going to finish my thought quick, and I'm going to try to get this fixed. But at the end of it, if these two players um, can have a carry the puck with their feet mentality – and instead of relying on a pass, instead of lying a chip or a float out to the middle of the ice, if they're confident enough to see a lane and use their feet and to have that speed, that adds an entire different element to the CC back end that they've been missing for quite some time. And I think that these guys with their point totals and just the way that they see the ice could yeah. be those answers. Yeah, certainly could. And uh, we'll 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 see if Nick's able to figure out this while we're going through it. We'll see if we have to pause the show or not. That's basically what it's oh, coming down to. So um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. And then, of course, you have a, a transfer player coming in, too, by the way, uh, on the net mining side of things. Henry Wilder, who's going to be uh, a senior this upcoming season, former Boston College Eagle, didn't play a whole lot. Um, but, uh, you know, a three twenty for him. Uh, goals against and a 920 save percentage had his first uh, victory against UConn um, on 12-11. So, um, but a very good pedigree, a 942 and a 169 goals against in 20 games for Hotchkiss School in Connecticut before. So, I mean, some good numbers here. I, I think it's no secret. I mean, you compare that, uh, of course, with uh, the current roster, Jake Begley, who had one game last season for the Tigers. I, I mean, 
in my mind, Caden and Barico, of course, is going to be the guy, but these two guys are going to push him out of camp. Um, I think uh, the question mark, too, is does Henry Wilder or Jake Begley see a little bit more action? Do they feel comfortable rolling a second goaltender into that tandem? Or, you know, does Caden and Barico have a sophomore slump, too? I think you, you can never really anticipate those things. I don't anticipate something like that would happen, but I think they're trying to make sure that, obviously, they're prepared and they right yeah injury too yeah Yeah. having having a veteran netminder a couple of them actually a pair of seniors uh feeling comfortable in the pipes should that need arise and uh speaking of Caden Americo by the way Nick last season 30 contests for him uh had a 925 and a 230 um 9 16 and 2 yeah allowed 63 goals and played just under 1650 minutes so I mean you know he's gonna be the guy and I think for me Again, I talked about this with Duluth, you know, last year or last uh, episode, I should not last year, um, is that is that their goaltending has been mediocre. Caden Emberko, he's young. We don't know what we're going to get out of him. Again, we talked about this um, with Ludwig Pearson in Miami where he had a great freshman season. We expected the same thing. He was better than serviceable in his sophomore year, but wasn't exactly jumping out with his numbers. Does the same thing happen to Caden and Berko? There's always that possibility, but on the surface, I think they just have better goaltending than CC. And first of all, I think that just jumps out to, to me right away is having good goaltending. But I think this freshman class here, this, this is not a freshman class where uh, you bring in nine guys. And generally what happens is you have four five, maybe if you're lucky six players where you look and say, yep, you know, they're going to assimilate well. They're clearly going to be everyday lineup players. They might even be in elevated roles kind of thing. This group here, I would say seven, eight, if not all of them, uh, like I see them being lineup guys. I see them being regulars. I see them being contributors. And I think, like I said, when you add that to the fact that you have now upcoming sophomores, now upcoming juniors, and now a couple of really great veteran seniors who have gotten two years to assimilate under Chris Mayotte's system, uh, great addition. Uh, this freshman class, Nick, I think really has a chance to be the difference maker and could be the difference between them finishing above or below Duluth in the standings. That's correct. Um, so let's uh, take this high praise. And uh, we talked about this before. Uh, the captaincy is not necessarily announced just yet. Um, I don't want to speculate on that. No, yeah, just because at the end of the day, um, I think there's some candidates that we have in the back of our head. But, um, you know, we could be surprised. Right. So uh, we'll maybe do an update once maybe it does get announced. You know, just a quick little tidbit, maybe on the uh, opening of a show. Yeah. But uh, to kind of run this out like we normally do on these episodes, Noah, uh, let's talk about uh, their schedule and their season outlook. Uh, look at their schedule. Uh, shall we say it's a bit interesting as far as their non-conference schedule, but closer yeah. to November, December, January, it gets kind of fun. Yeah, it certainly does. And uh, seven and seven in non-conference last season. And I think the highlight for me, of course, they start with Simon Frazier for their exhibition contest and they play Union Long Island uh, all at home, by the way. They travel to Air Force, which uh, travel, I say that lightly. Um, yeah. And then, and then they finish off their non-conference before they get into the bulk of their schedule. They're at home against Augustana on October 28th, which is awesome. And I think, uh, you know, with Ed Robeson too, of course, the Huskies were the first to kind of break in that building as far as like NCHC play was concerned. And I think CC for not, again, not being the cream of the crop in the NCHC, 
always has done a fantastic job, especially in recent years, of giving us intriguing matchups and still getting a schedule that's really exciting and new and fresh and vibrant. And Augustana is a great addition. They only have them for a single night, so that'll be interesting to see. They play Air Force, of course, the night before, quote-unquote, on the road. Um But yeah, to get Union and Long Island to come out to Ed Robeson Arena and their beautiful newish building that they have going on before they start NCHC play uh, home and home on the road in November against Denver. Nick, you got to be excited for that non-conference schedule and a chance, um, you know, to really build some traction. One of the things that this Tigers team had last season that was a disappointment because um, I know there's Bulldogs fans listening, and they're like, okay, can you kind of hop off the pedestal for a little bit here? One of the things that was really – for years, trust <laughs> me. <laughs> One of the things that was really tough is we expected them to be better out of the gate last season than they were. They had a couple of hiccups, a couple of uh, – I think they got swept last season. I, I, In fact, I should probably pull up the schedule so that I, I say it probably – yeah, they had that where they got swept for four straight against St. Lawrence and Arizona State, respectively. Then they had that loss – moments later against air force they just did not i mean they beat air force eight nothing the night before and then lost six three they just you know didn't really have enough traction in the bronco coming out of the gate right and i think that we expected them to have a little bit more like st lawrence should have been a team they handled and they were outscored nine two so they have to be better in the start of that non-conference schedule nick but as far as the non-conference schedule goes is there any other matchup you like or are we just totally stoked to see what augustana does um, well, let's go with this because uh, the fun begins in December, right? Um, Arizona State at home again. Ebzerobsim is apparently is the premier place to go watch college hockey uh, this yeah. season. Um, and then they get an, an exhibition against Minot State. Mm. <clears throat> Nobody here has ever played on that team. Yeah. Uh, but how about this at Mariucci Arena against the Gophers for a set? Um, after the, the turn of the calendar year 2024, you talk about a team that's trying to challenge themselves, right? By taking on some of the best. This is awesome. And I cannot wait to see this matchup. I'm going to date myself. I've, we've had conversations like in the past, but one of the last matchups I've seen with this 2013 WCHI final five. It was the semifinal round Colorado college beats Minnesota two to one. And let's just say that uh, they outshot them, the golfers over the CC Tigers, by like 10 to 15 shots. They yeah. kept Minnesota, the power play, a lethal power play off the board like three or four times. Just insane penalty kill and ended up losing the championship game. But they beat the golfers uh, in that matchup. So they have a history there, albeit it's been a while. So this obviously new faces, new regimes, but this is going to be kind of a throwback to the old WCHA. And those two teams used to battle quite nicely uh, back 15 years ago. This will be a nice little reminiscence of that. Yeah. How they got Minot state on the schedule is wild. And if I, if memory serves me correct and I could be wrong, but I think when I got a glimpse at the early schedule, I believe uh, the Beavers also have Denver early on in the season two for an exhibition contest. Yes. So that's kind of wild. Um, why they're not coming to Minot, I don't really know. Um, but that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
St. Cloud should play Minot. That'd be easy coverage up here. Um, but yeah, like you, like you mentioned, home at home against Denver, on the road against Miami, at home against Western and ASU before uh, finishing the holiday break uh, on the road at Ralph Ingolstead against North Dakota. A little bit easier to stomach that trip when you know it's the holidays after that. Try to get a couple of victories there. Like you mentioned, uh, Minot State. Minnesota on the road actually for uh, quite a bit both Minnesota and Minnesota Duluth to get back into NCHD action at home against Miami on the road in Kalamazoo at Western and then actually it's the Huskies they only see one time um, one of those teams I believe Omaha is the other yes uh, yep. St. Cloud and North Dakota a four game homestand before heading on the road to Baxter Arena in Omaha and then three straight home games against Duluth and Denver respectively before finishing out the gold pan the following night March 9th on that Saturday against Denver at Magnus Arena. Playoffs to follow the week after, Nick. I, uh, yeah, it might not stay. That's a gauntlet. That's a gauntlet towards the end there. Might not stay crazy. It, they better win that game. I, I mean, like, I, I expect it to be a shellacking, but they better win that game. I'm just going to yeah. put yeah. that out there. But so. yeah. Yeah. So now that we got the schedule out of the way, um, very nice schedule actually and and i think going back to your point right if they can get some early traction and granted that could be a challenge because again a lot of freshmen uh there could be some nerves there there could be you know some systems that still need to be learned so there could be some hiccups per se there but at the end of it if they do come out strong that really does set the tone for when nchc schedule comes calling because you all know every single game in that conference schedule matters for points, standings, and whatnot. Uh, Noah, we have just a couple of things here left to talk about. That is, um, again, we have them picked sixth. We've talked about how five through seven in the NCHC could finish up any one of those three spots. Maybe one even surprises us. Maybe two. Maybe all three. We're usually pretty wrong on this. Um, Go is either above or below. Who knows? Uh, But what do we expect from the Tigers? And, uh, you know, know, are we going to see improvement on the ice? Maybe that's the big thing. I think between the teams that we have five through seven, this group has the the highest probability to be better than our selection, just because of the fact that you just don't know what those freshmen and you know even sophomores coming back this season are going to do. If they start to have really good years, we could be talking home ice in the NCHC. I mean, fourth place, I would say. I don't know that I go any higher than that, but I don't think it's out of the question for this team if they get that good goaltending and some production from the back end. Of course, this group for the Tigers historically has done a great job at limiting chances at playing good defensive structure. That's been historical Tiger hockey in the past, essentially the NCHC era. Now they're supplementing that offense. Now they're able to kick back. Now they're able to punch back um, and at times even control the fight now, so to speak. Um, Prime example, Western Michigan quarterfinal for the NCHC uh, last season. A bit of a bit of a surprise for some, uh, maybe not so much for a certain podcast that uh, covers St. Cloud hockey. But I, I, I really like their mix. I think that, like you said, they have one of the more favorable schedules on the docket because it's broken up really well. They have a chance to make some noise in the NCHC, not have so many tough opponents strung together if that's even possible in the NCHC. But not the, really, but sure. The, the, <laughs> the counter hit to that is their schedule is a little bit chopped up slightly. So, you know, being able yeah. to balance that and understanding like this game means something for the pairwise, but it, you know, doesn't mean anything for the NCAG versus this is the whole kit and caboodle versus why the hell are we playing this team from Minot, North Dakota, right? You like, you got to kind of manage all of those emotions accordingly. Uh, we talked about it with the loose schedule a little bit uh, last, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago too. So, 
I think if they're able to get a good start, like you mentioned, feel comfortable, get those freshmen really up to speed and acclimated with that non-conference schedule, I think they have a chance to do some damage in the NCHC. Now, if they don't assimilate like they expected, if they don't find that offensive punch, if their goaltending is mediocre, they have a chance to sink quickly the other direction too. This Tigers team is not, um, like you said, I think they've gotten deeper with their freshman class, but the skill is very unproven. So I think that, you look at them and you're like, boy, if this kind of falls off the rails, it could do it very quickly because they don't have that necessarily secondary scoring to rely on heavily like your Denver's, like Omaha last season, like St. Cloud for the first half, at least of last season. They have to find a way to make sure enough of those components are meshing well that they can make some noise in the NCHC. I think they have an opportunity to, Nick, and I think it's going to be exciting. So last question, and this is uh, the question we always end the episode on, right, is – how does the St. Jose Huskies beat the CC Tigers? Uh, I have an inkling of what you're going to say, but go ahead and and you know put on your Don Cherry hat for a minute. Yeah, well, I mean, score more goals than the opponent, right? I uh, yeah. oh, insightful. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's the show. And that's our show, everybody. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> this is big yes. coach's corner with Ron McLean. So, <laughs> well, the Tigers historically have given both St. Cloud and Duluth fits, and yeah. uh, the Huskies, uh, thankfully, in some senses, only see the Tigers once this season, and it is at home. They will not, I believe. Oh wait, let me make sure that I'm saying that appropriately. I believe it's, as we, at, it's at Ed Robeson. It's at Ed Robeson. Yeah, never mm-hmm. mind. So, um. Uh, if you're St. Cloud, first of all, you've got to test Caden um, Emberico. You've got to find a way to take his eyes away. Blue paint, front of the crease, blue collar hockey. This team has always brought a work ethic, work ethic regardless of the skill level. But, and I don't know that we've said this in recent years, Nick, you've got to simply outskill this Tigers team. You've got to utilize that depth to your advantage that St. Cloud will bring to the table. You've got to win the matchup in the dots. Center depth is going to be a question mark for the Huskies entering this upcoming season. They've got to be able to match the Tigers, who, again, they're going to bring a good fundamental system by the time these two teams meet in the second half of the season. Uh, you've got to find a way to outskill this Tigers team. You've got to find a way to to bring that dominance of being a high-end team in the NCHC that St. Cloud is and kind of invoke your willpower a little bit. I mean, so to speak, use that high-end skill, use that secondary scoring. You've got to control the pace of play because now with this Tigers team, it's not just neutral zone trap, survive, hope you get an offensive chance. It's we're creating turnovers and we're creating opportunities against St. Cloud, against North Dakota, whoever the Tigers are playing. It's a real 200-foot game. You have to be able to win both sides of the puck against this Tigers team. You only have one weekend to do it, Nick. Very curious to see how you view this matchup between the Tigers and the Huskies. Is it dogs? Is it cats? Um, it's cat dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, when was the last time that we could really say that? I thought you were going to say when was the last time that I watched cat dog. <laughs> yeah, well, that's been that's been a hot minute or decade. Yeah. Uh, but when we say that the difference between these two squads is is not that much. Yep. It really isn't. Uh, the big difference really is going to be uh, in terms of maturity, right? It's going to be St. Cloud has uh, got a little bit more upperclassmen, not by much, um, but they also have a little bit, shall we say, more uh, experience, especially in the NCAA tournaments. They've got some more, I don't want to say more meaningful games under their belt, uh, but they definitely have, you know, shall we say, advanced further uh, yep. uh, in making the NCAA tournaments. So uh, really for me, 
is, you know, when, when you face CC this year, it's going to be the second half of the year. So you're hoping to be, you know, running in all cylinders, a wild oiled machine, same with CC. Uh, but really for this, for, uh, for St. Cloud, I think one of the things that we talk about uh, some, we'll put you this way. St. Cloud can match skill with Braun. If there's one thing that they do have is that, you know, you can get the puck deep third, fourth lines and you can batter and you can ram a little bit, but those same players can also turn around, make a nice play and get chances on net. Right. Whereas we're CC, at least from what we have seen in the past, hasn't had really that hybrid yet. So to me, the, the battle's going to be one below the goal line. I think you have to check pops deep. I do think you have to be aggressive on the body, you know, a good hard four check. And then be, again, you got to be in those battle zones along the boards and then come away with the puck, right? And then work it low to high back to your D. I do like St. Cloud's defensive core coming in this year who have experience, who've got the offensive capabilities to run the blue line, to walk it, get shots through. To me, that's how you win against CC. And, and again, we've talked about before again new group coming in this year but i really do think that cc you know if their defensive uh, game doesn't improve i don't expect it to but there is a tendency where they can rely too much a little bit on the easy safety valve per se so if you can pin them in their own zone and tire them out um historically they've been a team that you can kind of suffocate that way as well yeah as one would say you know pass shoot and score I mean, pretty easy, right? I mean, Go ahead. I mean yeah, you know, yeah, I think we're going to try to keep this show together, if you know what I mean. But I, I will say this. I think if the Tigers get anywhere close to where they finished their last game of the season last year, it would be considered a successful run for this group. I think if they can get back to that point, maybe win that game at that point. If they can be in the top 25 in the NCAA pairwise standings that would be a great season for this team as well too i still they're probably i would say maybe a year away Uh, maybe give them two if you want to be generous on the other side or if you're a bulldog fan right now listening um (laughs) you know it's only one come on there's more (laughs) give give them that range but they're not far away now i like they're getting to that point especially when this group gets a little bit older becomes juniors seniors in addition to the group that they already had they're on their way. This big freshman class, I think, is going to make a big difference, too. Um, of course, we'll be here to cover them. Uh, the Huskies Warming House yep. podcast brought to you by the Soda Pod. Stay wild and up to date with all things in the state of hockey, as well as centerisview.com and Huskies Illustrated. I had a great conversation with Bill Prout this week. Excited for all things that we move forward with him as well. Of course, he's your home for all things St. Cloud Hockey, latest news and photos of your favorite Huskies. Um, and hey, when they're playing the Tigers, you'll see some Tigers in those photos too. Some really great photography that Bill brings to the table and is very exciting. Nick, is there anything else you wanted to add about the Tigers, about Logan Cooley? Uh, I mean, anything that you kind of want to pick your brain on? Not really. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, college hockey, it's in, in general, is trending in the right direction. Um, I, I know that, you know, we focus on a little bit more specifics in teams and players here, but right. uh, you know, when you got guys like Logan Cooley that put on a jersey for a year, granted, wish it could be more, even from an opposing fan, right? You kind of want to see that skill on display. That brings it, that brings eyeballs, it brings viewership to the game. And, you know, when we can talk about a conference and we can go through even the top eight, like the NCHC, that have things to offer, I think it's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, hoping for good things to come for the Tigers. 
except I can start saying Cole State Huskies. Yes, I stole your line. So Yeah, I love it. He was on it. And of course, we're going to be on it. We're going to head on over next week to our WCHA preview. We have the Huskies picked at number five, so they'll be down the line. We're going to start... Oh my gosh. We're going to start. Hey, if you're a Bulldogs fan and you've still stuck around this long, we're going to talk about your women's team coming in at number four for a potential home ice spot in the WCHA. However, like you mentioned, uh, then we'll go on over to the men's side and pick our number five team, which of course will be battling with said Bulldogs and Tigers on the men's side as well. For Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.